This is a sermon podcast from Ashland First United Methodist Church in Ashland, Oregon. Visit us online at ashlandmethodist.org for more sermons like this, church information, and how to get involved. Ashland Methodist, a community of open hearts, open minds, and open doors. So I had one of uh, our beloved members say to me, what are you doing up there with that? Are you on Facebook? (laughs) That's later. I'm totally on Facebook later, but not right now. So we just heard every Sunday, we tend to hear a story of some kind. And the first reading is the story of the man who built bigger barns. And we're moving through Lent sort of trying to understand how to turn around some of the big things that we notice in our world, injustice, um, greed, hostility. How do we turn those things around so we get justice instead, so we get hospitality instead, and today so that we can get to generosity? And I'm going to read the scripture story again. Jesus said to them, watch out, guard yourself against all kinds of greed. After all, one's life and determined by one's possessions, even when somebody is very wealthy. Then he told them a parable. A certain man's, rich man's land produced a bountiful crop. He said to himself, what will I do? I have no place to store my harvest. Then he thought, here's what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. That's where I'll store my grain and goods. And I'll say to myself, you have stored up plenty of goods, enough for several years. Take it easy. Eat, drink, enjoy yourself. But God said to him, fool, tonight you will die. Now you will, who will get the things you have prepared for yourself? This is the way it will be for those who hoard things for themselves and aren't rich towards God. So the very beginning of this, We got a very, very simple first line. Jesus said to them, watch out, guard yourself. And this word literally is guard, like to be active, actively watching, a watchman. I was looking at images for guard, and is it plugged in? It is not working. There we go. And um, there's, in the, in the images, uh, there's all sorts of different kinds of guards. There's the palace guard next, the meerkat. I thought this was actually a pretty good look at this watchman, right? There are some stakes here for this little guy in his community. He is intently watching. And then more of a night watchman, perhaps, or a guard, or even a military guard. A lineup. Guard yourself, Jesus says. And the next part is a very straightforward also. Guard yourself against all kinds of greed. And this word for greed means material wealth. There's a lot of different variations on the word greed in the Greek. This one is material wealth. Wealth in excess and at the expense of others. So in other words, don't take too much. So we go back to the pinata example. Next slide. Whoop. <clears throat> the pinata example. And I have used this before. We all remember that kid who rushed in to take too much. 
You know, we all remember that. And maybe even worse was the parents of that kid who would just like beam with pride and entitlement at the eager gain that their child had made. So there is this idea in our culture that if you can get it, you earned it. This man in this story, this certain man, what was he so certain of? That the bumper crop, that tremendous yield that grew from the earth was his because he farmed it? Why is it that we believe man can possess the land, but we do not believe that God has possession of our souls? God is not amused by how we claim rights as ours and boast about how it was by the hand of man that the crops burst out of the seed from the soil to bloom and fruit and ripen in the sun. From Jesus' perspective, the first century perspective, what this man has done is he has hoarded what belongs to God and wasted life. Not just his own life, but the food he hoarded that was yielded by the soil and seed. This was given by God for the mouths of children, not the stockpiling of gold in one man's pockets. This certain man used the breath he breathed in, that God-given breath, that God-given life, to do what with exactly? To sow death, perhaps, in taking the fertility and fruit of the soil and boarding it up bigger, 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 so it could be sold to the highest bidder. This certain man forgets about life entirely. Life is the resources, air, water, earth, spirit, that allow us to be alive. It is God-given, your body, your breath, your blood, your spirit. We need a guard. We need a guard, all right, a watchman to keep us from greed. But the guard we need is probably not a punitive guard or a military guard, but a lifeguard. We must guard ourselves from greed because we must guard the flow of abundant life. And we all want abundant life. So why do we hoard? Well, there are a lot of answers to that question. But the simplest answer connected to this parable is that we forget, we forget, we forget that everything we have belongs to God. Most parables give us tricks to chew on. This parable is easy when you look right down the center. It says to us, don't be the kid who takes too much. And all of us already know this. We all know you are not supposed to take too much and that greed is bad. But for some reason, <laughs> we love to be greedy anyway, right? And there are lots of biblical examples of the ruin that comes from greed. So the wicked King Ahab is a good example and he's one of the worst. His wicked greed meant that he took what belonged to others for himself and was loyal to nobody and to no God. 
his toadies and his lieutenants lined up beside him on the gravy train. Under King Ahab, Jericho was rebuilt. The Bible tells us during Ahab's time, Hiel from Bethel rebuilt Jericho. He set up its foundations on the cost of his eldest son. He hung its gates at the cost of his youngest son. And I wonder what our economy has done for our children, our millennial children, who are suffering a generational depression. Most biblical commenters read this cost of these two sons as the sons died as collateral or in ritual sacrifice. But in reading it, I thought of how inheritance is supposed to work in Israel with the two brothers as inheritors and sustainers in their father's way and with the father's resources. Wealth like this represents caring for a whole village of folks and all the wide extended family. It is not for people's pockets. But instead of providing life for the community, the two-thirds share that belong to the first son is squandered into marble floors. The last third share belonging to the younger son is lost to golden gates. The wealth of the entire household, family, and the village is lost. This, this is how you lose your life. When there is nothing left to eat because greed your greed and the greed of others has taken you to destitution. And destitution is what Ahab brought to Israel as a famine swept in far and wide that lasted three years. So what is the remedy, right? How do we get to generosity? So the story of Ahab's reckless greed is followed by a story of Elijah. Elijah, the prophet of God, and he warned Ahab about the cost of greed. <laughs> and as a result, he had to flee for his life. As the famine takes hold of the land, Elijah takes refuge in the wilderness by a creek and is fed by the ravens. By the, but the creek dries up. So God sends Elijah to a village where there is a widow, and the Bible reads this. Elijah saw the widow and called out to her, please, Get a little water for me in this cup so I can drink. And she went and got some water. And then he said to her, Please give me a piece of bread. Surely, as the Lord lives, she replied, I don't have any food. I only have a handful of flour in a jar and a little bit of oil in a bottle. Look at me. I am collecting sticks so that I can make the last food for myself and my son. We'll eat the last of this food, and then we'll die. Elijah said to her, Do not be afraid. Go and do. Only make for me a loaf of bread first. Then bring it to me, and you can make something for yourself and your son after that. Generosity and faith, right? They're a powerful combination. How stupid of her to take the last bit of flour that would feed her son. What mother could rest in faith like that with their child at stake? This is what Israel's God, the Lord says, our book tells us. 
The jar of flour won't decrease, and the bottle of oil won't run dry until the day that the Lord sends rain on earth. The widow went and did what Elijah said. So the widow, Elijah, and the widow's household ate for many days. The jar of flour didn't decrease, nor the bottle of oil run out, just as the Lord spoke through Elijah. Seems like an impossible miracle, doesn't it? How do we create a world where we give in generosity and discover that there is enough? Where we fight the forces of greed and scarcity that would tell us this terrible way is the only way. So I have a video to share. It tells the story of a village in Kenya. Cigarette smoking is illegal in Kenya, but the farmers in Kenya farm tobacco, and they are paid slave wages. Farming tobacco has destroyed their forests and waterways and ancestral way of life. A vast majority of Kenyans, as with most parts of Africa, depend on the agricultural sectors to provide food, shelter, and education for their families. Tobacco growing was introduced into Kenya more than 35 years ago. Today, an estimated 20,000 small-scale farmers grow the plant over 37,000 acres of land. The Kenyan government, as with most other developing countries, depend on the large income tax generated by tobacco companies. In our country, we have the law which says no smoking. Kennedy Muita, a pastor in the United Methodist Church, lives in a village in southern Kenya, and many of his parishioners are farmers. Smoking is illegal, but at the same time, the same government supports the companies which are growing the tobacco. For example, there are no more trees, the rivers, uh, all our rivers are now dry. There's a problem, health problem to our, our, our people. The process of curing or drying tobacco leads to deforestation and soil erosion. Curing barns are designed in such a way that farmers are exposed to tobacco smoke. Tobacco farmers are unable to feed, educate, or clothe their children adequately. For example, at that time we were buying tobacco from farmers at 50 shillings, Kenya shillings. And the same company would sell one kilogram at 408 shillings in Belgium. The farmer remained with only eight shillings from per kilo. The eight shillings cannot pay the school fee, cannot uh, buy food, cannot do anything to the farmer. And we had a workshop in my village. Then we called the farmers around, they came, we discussed with them, we discussed the piloting program, for now we can start the growing of chili but didn't pick up well. Only 20 farmers responded positively because uh, it was a new, a new invention, a new technology. The, the 20 farmers grew the chili. After one year, the company came and bought the chili. The number kept on increasing. Now, this is the fourth year. We have about 400 farmers who have adopted the technology of growing chili. We have six farmers who already, during the last season, they were able to sell over 100,000 Kenya shillings and at least they've built good houses, they've bought some oxen for plowing, and I have uh, four students whose fee have just been paid all through by the Chile. What tobacco has left us with is poverty. We had cows, we no longer have cows. We have sold cows to buy food. 
We had uh, goals, we had timber, we had wood, but they're no longer there. Well, I'm seeking partnership to help the farmer, partners who can also partner with us actually to conduct workshops and seminars to, to teach farmers to change from one, from this tobacco to other productive crops, which are not harmful to our environment. So it's a clip, so it ends next, uh, next, yeah. Just, we go Vast next majority slide. of Kenyans, as with most parts the of The next Africa. slide, yeah. Yes, perfect. Um, uh, change is hard, right? Even though they were in terrible, terrible straits, there were still only 20 willing to try this new thing. It can be dangerous, in fact, to try new things. But here, look what they did. A whole movement started. People could start to see the fruits of the changes. And once people start seeing the fruits of the changes, they often come around, which is why when there are changes, they'll try, the detractors will try to stomp them out because they don't actually want there to be good fruit or change. They, do you think the tobacco companies wants to see the Kenyans growing chili? And we know that we see things in our culture like strike breaking and other kinds of things where there is a violent reaction against those who seek change for the better. So Jesus says, your life comes from God, not from how much stuff you have. Don't waste your life. God gave you breath, body, spirit. Jesus says, you fool. There is an accounting tonight. Your life will be asked for you. What did you do with the breath I gave you? Or as Mary Oliver says in her poem, tell me, what do you plan to do with your one wild and precious life? Can we see that word as God uses it? Life as not belonging to me. Life as being the food and the th things of life that allow us to be alive. That we are accountable to God for what we do with the breath we take in. So, one day Jesus is going to ask you, what did you do? I know he's going to ask me that, right? And I imagine like me, we might stammer a little bit and make excuses. For one thing, I'm going to have to try to justify my library. <laughs> Talk about hoarding things into barns. Get a lifeguard and guard yourself from greed. Be mindful of where greed seeps into your life. Be the antidote. Actively participate in acts of generosity. Commit to generosity. Practice it. Tip the server at the restaurant well. Speak words of gratitude to the one who bags your groceries. Drop criticism off the table. We do not have to live as a people of miserly critique. We can instead see the good in each other and care for each other. Do not walk by those in need without a plan for how you personally 
are going to use your life and your breath as the widow did for Elijah to feed the hungry. Remember that it is God's will that everybody eats. And I promise you, there will be enough. God has given you a spirit to pour out. Pour it generously. Remember who you belong to, that you are a child of God. You need not fear any scarcity, for you have abundant life in Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Amen.